God is good all the time. Happy Tuesday. Good to see each and every one of you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tuesday afternoon Bible study. If you're joining us online, welcome to you. Uh, we have, there's a fly swatter floating around. If you have a need of a fly swatter, let, uh, who, who's got it? Is it just in the back? Somewhere there's a fly swatter. If you have a fly around you, uh, let Lisa know. She'll find you the flies. She'll find, she'll find a fly swatter. Uh, we're getting kind of a little bit of a, say again? I could, I could baptize the flies and then they will leave the church and then, uh, we'll never see them again. As the old joke goes. Let's pray. God above the calendars just keep turning. Hard to believe it's October already. We give thanks for the harvest, for this fall rain, for the changing of the seasons, for knowing that uh, things change all the time. The, you know, if we're... If, we're kind of walking through a dark patch, we know that brighter days are coming. If we are going through our bright days, Lord, we, we just ask that you be with us during the valleys. May the words that we read today, may we see the love and the grace and the forgiveness behind them. That we, as we see the undergirding of, of the family unit, we know that love is behind it all. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So we are in the, we're kind of in the middle section here of 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're on chapter 7, uh, for those of you at home. Uh, it's kind of a long chapter. Uh, the people of Corinth wrote to Paul and had all these questions. What about this? What about that? What about in this situation? How about in that situation? Is it okay to marry if we're like this? Is it okay to be divorced if we're like that? And they just want it really spelled out in almost a contract lawyerese kind of way. What is permissible and what is not? And for most of it, Paul does a good job of just of a wet finger in the air. This, this, is, this is what I see God saying today. Uh, in some of these cases, he's saying, this is not a command from the Lord. This is just my interpretation of it. Uh, and he is writing, just to remind you, he is writing to a specific church, a specific audience, uh, with specific questions that they had. Some of it, some of it may pertain to us 2,000 years later. But hopefully we can see uh, the care and the concern behind the questions, and we'll dive a little bit into why they might be asking such poignant questions to begin with. So this is all about marriage in this one. Uh, if you remember in the last chapter, he said, don't, don't file lawsuits. No lawsuits. Well, we live in an age where uh, that kind of stuff could happen. Um, and kind of take that same attitude in this chapter of uh, when Paul says, don't marry. I, I did three weddings this weekend. Maybe I should use this as my uh, scripture verse. Uh, for, for all the weddings. You know, Paul says you, you shouldn't be here right now, but all right. Let's have some fun with this. This is chapter 7. Let's do verses. We're going to take a little bit of a big bite here. Long chapter 1 through 9. So two paragraphs. 1 through 9. Concerning married life. Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But sex, since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband. And in the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent, and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to, pr to prayer. <clears throat> then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, 
But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, and another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, then they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So I guess Paul is saying that those of us who are married no longer burn with passion. <laughs> All right. Uh, this says, uh, you know, it's good for a man uh, not to have sexual relations with a woman. I think a couple other versions, uh, King James might be in there, says it's, uh, they use the word touch. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's better for, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Um, sexual, it means sexual relations, depending on which Bible you're going after, but it just means uh, intimacy. Uh, this is probably a statement made by the Corinthian Christians, which they asked Paul to agree with, and Paul agrees with the statement, but with reservations. Uh, the word nevertheless, but since, um, in, in verse 2 there. So this is Corinth. We talked about Corinth a lot. We're going to talk about Corinth uh, a lot more in the in the weeks ahead as they talk about love. This this is this is Sin City, and the Corinthian church, uh, for all their lust, for all their passions, they want to go. They they want to swing the pendulum, whoa, the other way. You know what? If if uh, if intimacy is 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 wrong and evil, then we're just not going to do it at all. None of it. Even if you're married, even if we're just, we're just not going to touch each other at all. And Paul's like, are you, are you nuts? Uh, that's, that's not what the Lord is saying. That, that's, that's not a, a family unit. Um, but some in the Corinthian church are saying, you know what, let's just, let's just ban it all together. Uh, and then it's, that's, that's one reason why, why he's writing here. If uh, sexual immorality is such a danger, then wouldn't you, ju- wouldn't you be more pure by abstaining from sex altogether, even within the bonds of marriage? Uh, and Paul's saying, no, that's, that's not, you're, you're reading this wrong. Uh, but because of sexual immorality, let, let you find, find, find your spouse and let each person, let, let each wife have her own husband and let each husband have, her, have, have his own wife. Um, it's appropriate for husband and wife to, to have intimate relations. Not just for kids' sake, but also for just, just bonding. Um, and and that's, that's one of the joys of, of matrimony. Uh, he is not commanding them to get married, uh, an issue he deals with later on in the chapter, but, uh, but a command to live as, as a married person, especially in an intimate sense. Husbands and wives, just continue your sexual relations. Um, the affection due, let me see how it phrases in this one. Fulfill your marital duty. I have never gone to my wife and said, you need to fulfill your marital duty. My wife has never come to me and said, you need to fulfill your marital duty. Hopefully, hopefully there's... <laughs> One person is going to have more libido than the other, but hopefully somewhere in there, there's a little bit of give and take. Long time ago, my wife, uh, my wife and I, when uh, we were you know honeymooners, we we would have little bets or little games or little card games, and we said if if I win, I get to do this for you, <laughs> and vice versa. Too many times in the world, like I I want you to do this for me. And hopefully in a marriage, it's how you can serve and love the other person, not what the other person can love and do for you. Uh, I bet some of people in here freaked out when it says the wife does not have authority over her own body. Did that kind of bristle you at first? And then you caught the follow-up line. The husband's body does not belong just to the husband. We're equal in this. We're equal. Um, it's an awesome obligation. Out of the billions of people on earth, God has chosen one and one alone to meet our, our, our needs in that way. Uh, Corinthians weren't quite doing it that way. Uh, don't deprive one another. 
again, Paul rejects the idea that husband and wife should, yeah, could be more holy by, by abstinence. Uh, and Paul says, you know, in fact, harm can come if you deprive one another as they open up the door to the tempter where you look for that kind of stuff outside the marriage bed. Um, lack of self-control. I don't have to go into that a whole lot. Uh, again, this this Paul saying, I, I say this as a concession. God will permit uh, a married couple to abstain from relations for a short time for fasting or prayer, or maybe it's you're just not there for it. You're not ready for it, uh, for whatever whatever means. But eventually come together in, in, in an intimate way. That's uh, one of the gifts of marriage. Uh, God makes it clear that there is nothing wrong and everything right about sex and marriage. Satan, uh, the evil one's great strategy when it comes to intimacy is to do everything they can to encourage sex outside of marriage and to discourage sex within marriage. Uh, it's an equal opportunity victory for Satan if he accomplishes either plan. Uh, Paul, for I wish that all people were like myself, Paul at the time of this writing was unmarried, putting himself among the unmarried and the widow category. He recognizes the benefit of being single, which he'll speak more to here pretty soon. He probably was married at one time. We usually don't think of Paul as being married. Peter was married, uh, the very first pope uh, married because they talked about his mother-in-law. In the Gospels, although we never hear about the disciples' wives, uh, Paul was probably married at one time. Uh, he was an he was an observant Jew and an example among his people. In Paul's day, Jews considered marriage a duty, to the extent that a man reaching twenty years old of age without marrying was considered to be in some kind of sin. Twenty years old uh, was kind of the rule back then. Um, we didn't get married till 24, 23. Um, my parents got who Who got married uh, before 20? I'm just curious. Anyone get married? Yeah, there you go. See, you're in, the, you're in, you're in good company here with these folk. The first time. <laughs> uh, couples are waiting longer and longer and longer uh, nowadays. Uh, I'm guessing some of you have some grandkids that you're like, come on, get on with it. Get on with life. Uh, you know, to each their own. Uh, but back in the day, 20, uh, you, you needed to get married. Uh, and included the guys. We always think of the girls in this case, but also included the guys. Uh, when you were growing up, uh, what was the name of a girl who didn't get married until later on? A what? Spinster. Where where'd that come from? Was it, is it because her home doing yarn. That's how I think of it. Is that what it was? Yeah, you're out. You're, you're, you're making blankets, not babies. Spencer. Uh, there's, there's, there's an old uh, there's an old Jewish writing called the Jamara. Germ- uh, Jamara. Um, like centuries, centuries old. It kind of had the rules of, uh, for, for, uh, for those in that faith. Uh, there's one paragraph that says this. It is forbidden a man to be without a wife because it is written it is not good for man to be alone and whoever gives not himself to generations children and multiplying is all is is all one with a murderer. He is though he has diminished from the image he has diminished from the image of God. Get married was the uh, was the push of the day. Paul was probably part of the Sanhedrin a ruling class, and to be in there, you had to be, you had to be married. We have no idea what happened to his wife. Uh, the scriptures are extremely silent on this, but we have a, we have a sense that he is widowed. Uh, he recognizes that some gifts are for marriage, some are uh, some are gifted for for people who are unmarried. He is going really against uh, the Jewish culture as well, saying it's okay to be single, and all the Jewish people of the day went. Oh! It's okay to be married. Whatever you are, be that and be a good one. Uh, so it's kind of revolutionary at, uh, in, in Paul's day and age that he's saying these kinds of things. In verse 6, he indicates that this is more of his 
thought, uh, not of the Lord. Now, later on in this chapter, he says, this is the commandment of the Lord. And then again, in another couple of verses later, he says, now this is my interpretation opinion. So uh, how does, when it's his opinion, is that, you know, something you need to really honor and do, or is that just for that time and that day, that one group? Yes, yes and no. I, you, I always look for the spirit behind the, behind the rule. Um, I, don't, I don't worship the Bible. I worship the God of love that is in the Bible. And in the parts that in here point to that love and that kindness and that mercy and that grace, that is what has authority over my life. If it doesn't have that kind of, when when we we did this on Sunday, um, uh, David said, "Death, you know, pray for death for your enemies." It's scriptural, but it's not biblical. It's not. It doesn't doesn't point to the love of 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 God. Um, so in, in my decision-making on how I look at these words, and I think Paul was doing the same thing here, is like we have, we have the sayings of Jesus, and they weren't, they weren't quite written down. Well, maybe he had them written down, but we didn't have the Gospels of Mark, Luke, uh, uh, John, Matthew, John. We didn't, we didn't have the Gospels yet. Paul's writings are the very first writings that we, uh, that we have in the Bible, uh, so he had the sayings of Jesus, and so he said, this came from the Lord, and I think it had to do with divorce. Uh, and then these are my opinions based on that, on what I know of Jesus. Here's, here's my guidelines for this community of faith. Uh, and so you, 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 it, it's, it's in here, so you're, you notice it, and you, you, you see how, how does this apply to my life. Uh, but when he says, you know, don't, don't get married, stay as I am. I'm not going to go to a wedding couple and say, you know, the Bible says, don't get married. But if you, unless, unless, you, unless you can't control your passions, and then fine, get married. Um, for those later on in life who want to get married after, uh, maybe after a divorce or after a passing of a spouse, I, every October, um, Stephanie and I, we go through our will and stuff in there. And... Uh, we started this about 20 years ago because we went on an international trip and we left the kiddos home, so we had instructions for the family. So every October we revisit this, and um, in in the back of the of the thing, there's here's here's a copy of my will, here's a copy of instructions, here's a copy of da da da. But in there, I, I, I say, Stephanie, should something happen to me, you you have many more years yet to go. I hope that you find love. I hope that you find someone uh, to spend these years with. Uh, don't pine away like you got another forty years. Uh, if you find someone, great. Just, just can you wait six weeks after I'm dead before you do it? I actually got that written in there. Please wait six weeks. Uh, I want her to be happy. Now, scripturally, does it does it does it fly? Well, we'll talk we'll talk more about widows here pretty soon. But uh, I want her to find love. I want her to be happy. Uh, all right. Uh, let's do verses 10 through 16, three paragraphs in a row. Bam, bam, bam. To the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. 
Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? I wish I had the letter that the Corinthians wrote to Paul. What about this? What about this? Steve's doing that. Stacy's doing that. What are the rules? Now to the married. Uh, remember that in this chapter, Paul is answering specific questions from the Corinthian Christians. Uh, to the married, Paul addresses marriages when both partners are Christians. He'll deal with other situations in the following verses. A wife, don't leave your husband. The Corinthian Christians wondered if it might be... The question was this, is it more spiritual if we, stay, if we get divorced, if we split up? Would we be more holy if we were not in relationships? That's what the Corinthians are asking. And again, Paul is saying, just, just stay together. If you're married, just stay together. Uh, a wife is not to depart uh, her husband's. Uh, are we more spiritual if we're single? Or uh, would it be greater holiness if the marriages did not exist? Um, even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. At that time, marriage was, and, and maybe we lost some of this, uh, in such a spiritual sense, you and your husband are one. You and your wife are one. Those whom God has joined together, let no one put asunder. And you might remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, don't, get, don't get divorced. Stay together. They were asking because the, uh, the leader at the time, King Herod, uh, had divorced quite a number of people, uh, including his own niece, his own sister, his own, his father's sister. Anyway, it was weird. Uh, it's just trying to put some parameters around it. And the, the men were coming to uh, Jesus like, is it okay if I divorce my wife? And what did Moses say, the Lord asked. And Moses, they said, Moses uh, allowed us to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Jesus' uh, reply was, and I am paraphrasing, so don't proof check me on the, on the, on the YouTubes here. Uh, the reason that the, Moses permitted you to do this was because your hearts, hearts were hard. Um, but a man shall leave his father and cleave unto his wife, and there shall be one flesh. If you just read it as is, it sounds like Jesus is saying divorce is wrong, period. Again, think about it 2,000 years ago. Women were what? Property. You know what? I don't like my piece of property. Divorced. Where does she go? Where does she go? Maybe back to her family if they're still around? Couldn't get a job? Lowest rung of society. She can't take care of herself uh, where, where, all, where begging and prostitution reside. I really do believe Jesus says no divorce because at that time and age, that's what divorce meant. You're kicking, you're kicking her to the curb. That's not loving. That's not kind. So Jesus' response, you signed up for this trip. Stay married. Take care of each other. So, so Paul says, this, this, is from, this is a command from the Lord. Stay, stay married. Um. Some churches today take this as, a, as also a way of evangelism. Hey, go find an unbelieving person. And if you find them, then uh, convert them. You want, you want a soul for Christ. Uh, that, was, that was going through Paul's mind here. Uh, if your children have, have Christian parents, then they are holy. They are not unclean. He's using his Jewish language here. We don't have that thought today. But if an unbeliever leaves, just let him go. 
We're not, we're not bound in some circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. Uh, don't, don't get married for evangelism's sake. Find someone that you love and can live together and, and go. And if you're a believer and they're not a believer, maybe some of you will rub off on him, on her. Great. Um, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, I tell my wedding couples, there's, there's like four things you really have to agree on. Something like that. What, when, I, when I got wedding couples in here, what do they have to, like, really have to agree on before they get married? Children. How many children to have? Uh, if this person wants zero kids and this wants seven, problem. We'll figure it out later. Uh-uh. You, better, you better have those conversations now or there's just going to be regret and animosity later. Now, if you're talking like one or four, you have differing ideas, that's fine. But the whole, I don't want any kids, I want, a, I want departures family. That's two different ways. You have to decide how you, on, on kids. What else do you have to decide on? Money. You got to be on the same page with money. Um, how it goes, how, what to spend on, you know, you're, <laughs> I tell couples, it's better to have one account. Figure it out. Oh, we have to have two accounts. Her money, my money. Uh, it's possible, but it's tough. Uh, I'll pick on my sister here. My sister got married, and he's like, we're going to separate our finances. And uh, when the electric bill comes in, we're going to divide it in half, and I'll write a check, and you'll write a check. Tells you how old this is. Write a check. And they put two checks in the thing, and away they went. And uh, whatever money I have left in my account is mine. Whatever money is in your account is yours. This is this is early '90s, so she was making twenty-five thousand a year. He was making thirty. He had five thousand dollars more fun. Fast forward four years, she was making fifty. He was making thirty. And he's like, "Hey, can we revisit this?" It was fair. It was it was fair when you. Mm. Uh, they're no longer together, <laughs> uh, for other reasons. But but the same kind of attitude, though. Got to agree on money. Uh, got to agree on in-laws. Not if you have them, but what role do they have in your life? Uh, how close to live to them? Does mom and dad still pull your chains? Or are you in a new thing? On all these things, it's just easier if you agree. You can make it work, but oh, um, it's just easier. Uh, to find a believer... If, if something would happen to Stephanie and I was out back in the dating scene, it would be really weird if, an unbel- if me and an unbeliever got together because my life kind of revolves around this, this area of, of life, right? Yeah. Um, not that it would be impossible. I can't have anyone antagonistic, at least. I can't have someone say, I, I'm not a Christian, I hate Christians, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not religious, and I hate anything religious. Well, I'm a pastor. Let's see how that goes. Um, it's not impossible. It's just easier. Yeah. And yeah, and religion. Uh, long time ago, I used to have uh, couples take a test. You know, remember back in the days, you were too old for this, but the bubbles that you had to do bubbles. And they send it through the machine. Anyway, I, 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 I made couples take this test. They went in other rooms, and they filled them out. And it, like, uh, based them on 10 to 12 different aspects of marriage. And religion was one. And it would tell me what their greatest strengths are, what their greatest concerns are. I remember this couple, and uh, uh, it, was, it was just weird. Because uh, I, I was trying to flesh out the religion piece. Uh, because, like, the, it was their biggest growth area like she is she is so not on board with church and he is high on god woohoo holy roller and we're talking and i'm trying to, I, I can't figure it out cuz it's the, it's not work it, it just doesn't seem to work and i finally i just said i don't get it uh you you don't care about god at all and my job here is not to yell at you it's just my job is to make sure you're compatible here. Uh, point out these things so you have those conversations. And he is on fire for God. And she looked at him and like, you are so not on fire for God. And he looked at me and says, I just wrote down what I thought you wanted me to say. <laughs> like, 
I'm actually happy that you are not on fire for God. Someday I hope you are, but it breaks up families. Um, I run into moms all the time. I am tired of dragging the kids to church without his help. That kind of thing. Or we're, uh, Steph and I got married. She's Catholic. Her dad, her dad asked, are you going to raise the children Catholic? No, is the answer. Uh, but that was, that was kind of a family expectation and source of issues. Yeah. All right, change of status. Change your Facebook status to married or not married. Uh, let's do 17 to, flip the page to 24. 17 to 24. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become circumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcised. Decision is nothing. Keeping the commandment is what counts. Each person should remain in this in the situation where they were in when God called when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who ha was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as, responsi um, as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Another version of the Bible says, uh, As the Lord has called each one, let him so walk. Uh, no matter what your station, married, single, divorced, widowed, remarried, whatever, God can work in your life. And this is, again, news to the Jews and the Gentiles of the day. Instead of thinking that you can... Or we'll walk for the Lord when your situation changes. You know, just, just walk for the Lord in the place that you are right now. If you're single, be a great single person. If you're married, be a great married person. You can serve the Lord in any of these situations. Um, also, don't try to undo the past in regard to relationships. Um, God tells us to repent of whatever sin we have and move on. You know, if you're married to your second wife after wrongfully divorcing your first wife, uh, don't, don't leave your second wife and go back to your first wife. That's one of the Corinthian questions. If I'm on my second wife, do I need to go back to my first wife? Because we're... Mm. Paul's just... A reset. Do what you need to stay. Stay in the station that you are right now. You're, you're okay. As the Lord has called you, walk in that place right now. It's also a warning to beware of the danger of thinking that other people have it better than you because they're at a different station. Um, I know single people who wish they were married. I know married people who wish they were single. Uh, my brother, I love him, 40 whatever years old, uh, single as single could be, and says, you know, there are times I wish I had your life. And there are times I look at him and like, you know, there are times that it would just be easier uh, if I didn't have to worry about college coming up, if I didn't have to worry about uh, piano practice and da 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 da. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But he thinks, I look at his life as easier and he looks at my life as the more, the grass is not always greener. Right? Enjoy where you are. Uh, even if it's divorced or widowed, you know, there, there, it, there are some perks. Um, not that you want to change it or you'd like to go back, but wherever you are. Were you circumcised? Paul is saying that if you were circumcised when you became a Christian, fine. If you are not circumcised, fine. What matters is serving the Lord with what you are right now. 
How could you become uncircumcised? How could you reverse that? There are some surgical things that you can do that they did back in the day uh, to try to fix that. Um, uh, There's a section of the Bible called the Apocrypha between the Old and New Testaments. There's about 12 to 16 books in there. Um, Maccabees is one that talks about uh, in between times of the Testaments. And then uh, the Greeks were coming. The Greeks were coming to to eradicate the Jewish population. And some Jewish men were out there like, all right, I got to fix this. Because you could tell, there literally is a tell if you are Jewish or not. Um, it's, it's not just all up here. It's not what you wear, but there is a mark on your body that shows. And uh, so they, uh, they, they drew up the foreskin with a surgi- surgical instrument uh, from Maccabees chapter 1. Um, not for me. Biggest statue in, uh, in Italy, David, right? You've seen David with the... Uh, he looks like... Uh, back in the day, they, they, they put a fig leaf on David. Uh, Michael, was it Michelangelo who did it, David? Michelangelo. He did David. Michelangelo did not have a fig leaf on David. They put a fig leaf on a couple hundred years after that. So David is there in all his glory. Michelangelo, when he did it, uh, made him uncircumcised. <laughs> And uh, because that was the feeling of the day when Michelangelo was. And so if David would look down on his statue like, that's not right. It's not right. I was Jewish. Jewish means something. Here you are. Uh, were you called while the slave? Don't be concerned about it. You, a slave can please God as a slave. Were you free? You could please God as a free person. Matter of fact, if you are uh, under God, then a free person, you are a slave to God. But I like how he told the slaves, if you can get free, get free. It's so much better. Yeah. Don't become slaves to people. Whatever, wherever you are, it's fine. The Greeks, the Gentiles, the Jews, they love their lines of who's in, who's out. This is what you have to be. And Paul is, is really a liberal thinker in this saying, you're fine. You can follow Christ as a Gentile, as a Jew, free, slave, circumcised, uncircumcised, male, female, uh, married, single, divorced. Like, it's fine. Where are we? <laughs> uh, let's do two paragraphs. Concerning 20, the unmarried? Yeah, 20, 25 to 31. Two paragraphs. Uh, okay. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present from form is passing away. And that all makes sense, right? No. No, all right. Thank you, Beth. Okay. To the virgins, uh, unmarried folk is, is who he's referring to here. Uh, both male and female, by the way. I have no command from the Lord, but I know a thing or two about this. And so this is, again, his wet finger in the air on what to do. Because of the present crisis... We don't know what's going on in the Corinthian church. We know that this is a time when Christians are under some persecutions. This is the t- P- uh, Peter and Paul will soon be uh, executed in, in Rome in the next decade or so. Uh, the world does not look kindly upon uh, the Christian faith. Uh, so time is, time is short. And again, 
Paul really thinks that Christ is coming back next week, next month, next year, sometime he's coming back. So just hold your horses and wait till he comes back. Uh, put a pause on life, serve God, and wait. Well, 2,000 years later, we kind of have a differing idea on this, uh, and we're not under persecution. But uh, think about it from, from their eyes. Uh, is there an advantage to remaining single in times of persecution or in times of war? Probably. Probably. You, it's really hard to fight and protect yourself if you're also worried about spouse and kids. And also in this day and age, spouse and kids were fair game for torture and for mm, horrible things. Uh, you don't want to talk? Uh, let's see what, what we could do to your, to your kids. Single. There's a reason why they ask spies to be single. Uh, you know, it's, just, it's just easier. Now, is there a, an advantage to remaining married? Well, yes, at a time of great distress, your family needs you more than ever. Don't abandon your wife and your kids now. Again, whatever you are, stay there, in Paul's mind, during these uncertain times. I don't think that is a, a, a call for us today, because we don't live in those kinds of times. Uh, and we, you know, it's a, it's a different day and age, roles of women and men. Are you bound to a wife? Don't, don't try to get divorced. If, are you divorced from a wife? Don't try to find one. Uh, just echoes the same principle uh, over and over and over again. He doesn't say that being married or single is more spiritual than the other state. And this was something that the Corinthian Christians really, really were fighting. Time is short. Again, Jesus is coming back. So just just chill and wait. Um, the Greek the word that they use for here is for short is uh, stu, uh, stutello. Stutello. It's a it's a it's it's a type of sail that they use uh, on ships when they get to the harbor. Uh, it's a little tiny sail. Uh, when they're out on the open water, they get the big sails, and the wind just pushes. But when they get to harbor, they don't want these because you can't really guide a ship narrowly. And, and, and with the, so you get out the little tiny short sails uh, because time is short. You're in the, you're in the harbor. Um, for the form of this world is passing away. Uh, the time, a time is short at it. Uh, weeping and rejoicing and having possessions don't get in the way of the, of the hard work of following after Christ. That, uh, to Paul, that's the number one thing. Follow Christ. If you're carried about the world, you need to be worrying about the kingdom of heaven. And again, he's got this idea that Christ is coming back tomorrow. Uh, let's do the next. We're going to do the, each, each in turn, 32 to 35. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How can he please the Lord? But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can he please his wife? And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can she please her husband? I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul just simply recognizes that when a person doesn't have family responsibilities, he is more free to serve God. Uh, this is the main reason that he considered the unmarried state preferable for someone in his role as well, uh, as an apostle who travels around town to town to town. Uh, he who is married is uh, concerned about the world. Um, doesn't say this to condemn the married person, but just states a fact. If you're married, you have other obligations than just yourself or just your calling. Any churches out there uh, that, that require their priests or religious people to stay unmarried? Catholic is the, the big one, right? Yep, don't get married, don't get married, don't get married. Uh, 
if you marry, if you marry, then you, then you don't love the Lord as much because you're also loving someone else. Uh, there are some Protestant churches out there that say in order to become a minister, you have to be married. Uh, so it's kind of a weird dichotomy, and Paul would yell at both of them, uh, probably. Uh, I think, that yeah, the Catholics took it too far, and some Protestants take it too far as well. It's possible to be married and serve the Lord, I hope. That's what I'm banking on. Are there times that uh, family get in the way of church? Yeah. We have a staff parish relations committee tonight. I'm not going because it's my wife's birthday. And I choose life. Right? Uh, she wouldn't be she wouldn't be mad, but you know, you family life, family life. Yeah. Hmm. Um and sometimes family gets in the way. We 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 make it work. We make it work together. Uh well, there are also some uh, Protestant religions that believe that the pastor can only be a man, and they use the verse that they can be the husband of one wife. And so you can only be a man because it, the man has a wife. That's how they get around that. So you can't be a woman. There's a ministerial association here in Meridian that has a lunch on Thursday. We're sending Pastor Jen. <laughs> Yay. So, and she will represent us very well. Uh, but yes, it, uh, she will be one of a handful of, of women in this male-dominated group. Very first church I had uh, that, I, that I started, the, very, the third church I had, the third, first one I started, um, we started Sunday school for kids three months before we started worship. And uh, we had uh, Sunday school for adults. And I had a teacher who taught at an elementary school, lovely woman who wanted to teach Sunday school for adults. Very first class. This is a new church, so a lot of people there not knowing what Methodism means or anything like that. Uh, stormed out. Very first Sunday school. Kind of set a weird taste. It said, a woman cannot teach a man. And, yeah. Uh, I said, this is not going to, you are not going to be, we love you in a loving, kind Christian way, but you are not going to be happy here. <laughs> uh, we're kind of a equal opportunity uh, kind of church. All right, let's do verses 36 uh, to 38, that paragraph. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, then he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, is un who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. A woman who is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think that I, too, have the Spirit of God. That one paragraph, um, if, if you're engaged, it's all right to get married. It's also all right to break it off and just, again, stay the station that you are. The Lord is coming. It's just easier. Uh, in some Bibles, it's not the person that you're engaged to, but it's directed more about your children. Uh, again, back in that day, arranged marriages were the, were the way of the, of the world. Um, I, I would tell my kids, guess what? I found you a spouse. And it's not even a take it or leave it. It's a take it because uh, it's, it's what it is. Um, and so in some Bibles, it's if, 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 your, if your daughter or son are engaged... 
it's it's fine if they get married. It's fine. If, mm, uh, but but if they don't marry, they do better. Again, Paul is like, just stay the station that you are. Uh, if a woman is bound to her husband as long as they live, but if he dies, she's free to remarry. But since you now are a person of faith and you weren't, you know, a generation ago, because this is all brand new, uh, it's just belong. Uh, find someone in your faith. Again, it's easier. Um, but they're happy if, if, but in my judgment, says Paul, she would be happier if she just stayed a widow. And Paul's saying, again, wet finger in the air. I have the Spirit of God. This is how I see it. Lots of rules or lots of advice. Maybe I should say it like that. Lots of advice from Paul. Do they stand up still today? Or has the world moved on? Or do we, do we follow these things? Or uh, The Corinthian Christians asked a lot of questions, and Paul did his best to address them. But hopefully we can see it's the spirit of love and the spirit of care, the spirit of, 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 of just taking care of business behind it. Uh, that's what has authority. Spirit of love and care and concern for each other. So if my mom, who is uh, widowed, if she came to me and says, I found someone, I'm happy for you. In the faith, outside the faith, what, uh, it's just easier if, if y'all are on the same page. Uh, to my nieces and nephews who are getting engaged, God bless you. I hope that you find the right person. I'm not going to be like Paul and say, it's best if you don't get married. It's easier. It is easier, but is it worth it? Yeah, hope so. hope it's worth it. So this is a long chapter. I don't know. For those of you who have your Bibles, take a look at chapter 7. Long chapter. Take a look at chapter 8. Thirteen verses. <laughs> uh, chapter seven had forty verses. Next chapter has thirteen, and one subject: food sacrificed to idols. We're going to address another question that the Corinthians had: What do we do with food that has already been sacrificed to an idol? Can we eat it? You'll have to stay tuned and find out next week.